want to open this evening uh, by asking a question. I want your interaction on this. So as I ask, go ahead and shoot answers out at me. What is the most important characteristic, the mo- or if not most important, perhaps the most distinguishing characteristic of Christianity? Think about it. The cross? Good, yeah. How many other religions do we know of where gods come to earth and die? None that I know of. What else? Resurrection. Yeah, Diane, that's it. And how many other religions can we say that not only did God come to the earth, take on human flesh, live a human life, die a human death, but also was resurrected. Now, sometimes we hear things, we hear stories about like near-death experiences, things of that nature, right? But are those individuals resurrected? What do you think? No. There's a difference between resuscitation and resurrection, isn't there? I might die bodily, and I might have a medical team who's really good at doing something or whatever they need to do in order to bring me back to life, but that's not the same as resurrection, Resurrection is entirely different. And this week, as we study the creed, as we come into the creed, we come to that point where we learn that Jesus was not just resuscitated, but on the third day he rose from the dead. He was resurrected. And the resurrection is the key distinguishing feature of Christianity from all other religions. Because if you think of it this way for a second, there are lots of religions that make lots of claims about the gods that they worship, but only one can say that their god rose from the dead. That he actually took the grave captive, conquered sin and death. And so this week I want us to consider as we, as we talk about this, what the implications are for Jesus rising from the dead. It's not just a day that we celebrate once a year where we kind of think about some nice things about what Jesus did, where we uh, are grateful for the fact that he rose from the dead, but it has very important implications for the way we experience the life of faith because we are not just a people who come to church. We're a resurrection people. We're a people who, too, have been raised from the dead. And so as we consider what it meant for Jesus to die and to be then risen from the dead... I want you to think on this in terms of what does it mean for me also to be raised from the dead? What is my resurrection going to look like? John 11.25 says, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Those who believe in me, even though they die, will live. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? The first thing to understand about the resurrection... And what it accomplishes is it conquers sin and death. At no other time in the history of the world do we see resurrection. We see resuscitation in the New Testament, don't we? We see Lazarus Lazarus laying in the tomb, dead. And days later, Jesus comes and tells him to get up. But it's the same Lazarus. But Jesus comes truly dead for a full three days. And he doesn't just come back with the same body. He comes back with a spiritual body. 
You ever notice in the upper room that when Jesus comes back, he's not just opening doors and he doesn't have to do all the things that other people are doing. He has a spiritual body now. His body has changed to an extent to where it's not like what we experience here with this, where I have limitations, where if I want to go through a door, I've got to open the door. If I want to go through a wall, I've got to, well, cut a hole in the wall. It doesn't just happen that way. Even Jesus had those limitations when he was first in his body, when he was in the body that he was born in to Mary. But when he is resurrected, we see that he has a spiritual body and suddenly he is able to do things that he was not able to do before. And the reason he's able to do that is because as we spoke about last week, he descended to the dead. He overcame death, crushed it, and it no longer had any power over him. You see, even as Jesus was fully divine, even as he had the Father's divine nature, the stuff of the Father, he was also fully human on earth. And to be fully human meant that he allowed himself the same limitations that we have bodily. He was able to get sick. He was able to not, or was not able to walk through walls or doors. He was not able to do all the same things that we're not able to do. But he was able to die. To be resurrected, though, for Jesus translates to forgiveness of sins for us, but it translates to much more than that. It's not just that we're trying to get souls into heaven. It's also that there's a promise that's delivered to us. The same God who conquered death on the cross conquers death in us. And so in this way... Christ is pointing forward. This is the second thing the resurrection does. He conquers sin and death, but in conquering sin and death, he also points forward to the promise we're going to receive. Someday we're going to receive those same spiritual bodies. 1 Corinthians 15 reads, So it is with resurrection, it, so it is with the resurrection of the dead. What is sown is perishable, what is raised is imperishable. It is sown in dishonor, it is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness, it is raised in power. It is sown a physical body, it is raised a spiritual body. If there is a physical body, there is also a spiritual body. Too many people in the church today have a precious moment's view of what heaven's going to be like, right? We die, and we go up into heaven, and we just kind of sit in the clouds, and we play harps, and... You know, maybe we see old Uncle Joe from 100 years ago. Maybe a little bit like Family Circus, too, right? So you've got precious moments or memories or whatever it's called. And then you've got Family Circus kind of all combined into one where everybody's wearing halos and it's just sort of, I don't know, whatever you want to think of it. That's not the Christian promise. There is going to be a time where we're separated from our body unless Christ comes back first. There is going to be a time where we die physically. Because we too are going to experience the wages of sin and death, which is physical death. But we're promised that ultimately, even as these bodies part, even as we go into paradise and spend time with Christ before he comes back, that the ultimate promise is not there. The ultimate promise is that we too, like Christ, are going to be resurrected. And I believe that all of creation points to resurrection. I love the way St. Clement of Rome said this uh, so many years ago, around two or or, uh, three hundred years ago. 
around 1700 years ago. He wrote this. Let us consider, beloved, how the Lord continually proves to us that there shall be a future resurrection, of which he has rendered the Lord Jesus Christ the firstfruits by raising him from the dead. Interject something there. Christ is the template for what we're going to be. He is the firstfruits. He is the first of what is to come for us. Let us contemplate, beloved, the resurrection which is at all times taking place. Day and night declare to us a resurrection. The night sinks to sleep and the day arises. The day departs and the night comes on. Let us behold the fruits of the earth, how the sowing of grain takes place. The sower goes forth and casts it into the ground, and the seed being thus scattered, though dry and naked when it fell upon the earth, is gradually dissolved. Then out of its dissolution, the mighty power of the providence of the Lord raises it up again, and from one seed many arise and bring forth fruit. Those are St. Clement's words regarding what Paul has written here. All of creation points to resurrection. When you look at nature and the way nature works, you get a visible image of the way the God of the universe is. Look at the seasons. You have spring. Things blossom, come to fruition. Summer, which is usually just hot. It can be a little bit like our lives, can it? A person is born, goes through trial, goes through the heat of summer, and then in fall, the earth prepares to rest. We might think of this as the later years of our lives, as our bodies begin to decline. We're not able to do the things we're able to do. It can be a beautiful period, but it's also a period that reminds us there's going to be a time where our bodies lie dormant. We look at the earth, winter, and winter comes and we have this dormant season. That's much like our bodies after we've passed. There's going to be a time where our bodies pass. But just as spring is always just around the corner, resurrection is just around the corner for us as believers. And when our bodies do fail on this earth, and we can no longer breathe on this earth because we've finally experienced the fullness of what it means to live in a sinful world, there's that promise, but that's not it. That's not the end. And when Christ comes back and the new heaven and the new earth are conjoined together, and we see the king of Israel, the true king, the great high priest, descending on clouds into the new earth, and it's all brought back together, you and I will be experiencing our spring again because you and I will be resurrected from the dead, given the spiritual bodies that Paul talks about here. And there will be no more sickness, no more sin, no more death, Several years ago, I was going through one of the creeds with uh, Evan, my middle son. And I remember at one point, it finally dawned on him, there's going to come a time that he dies. And he was so upset about it. I don't want to die. Most of us don't want to die when we're healthy, right? When you feel good, you don't want to die. When you feel good and strong and healthy and your mind is in shape and things are going well, fear or death becomes an enemy, not a blessing. 
And sometimes in the church we get so wrapped up in saying all these wonderful flowery things about, well, so-and-so died and we know they're happy now and that's wonderful and isn't it so good that they're not suffering anymore? And yes, it is good when a person's been suffering that they're not suffering and that they're in heaven and that they're with God. But for us it means grandma's not here anymore. I don't get to see mom and dad. I don't get to see my brother. I don't get to see my son. I don't get to see whoever it is that's passed away in my life. And it just hurts. We use words to try to cloak the hurt. But if we're being honest, I think generally speaking, we would rather go back to the time where we have health and where that person has health and we were having good times together and we were able to enjoy communion together. And all the flowery words in the world about you know, someone being happy in heaven. Yeah, we're happy for them. And it truly is in a service of death and resurrection. It truly is a reminder that there is a promise and that we can take joy in knowing that they are still living. But it still feels empty here. And as Evan heard that, and he realized, I don't want to die. And Dad, I don't want you to die. Mom, I don't want you to die. I don't want my brothers to die. I don't want to die. We weren't made for that. It wasn't God's original intention that we should die. It was God's original intention that we should share eternal communion, eternal covenant with him, oneness with him. But it's because sin and death entered the world that now we look at death as a release because sin takes its toll on the body. Not just committed sin, but the sinfulness of the world. Paul says that all of creation groans waiting for Christ. You know what? I think our bodies groan, waiting for that day when we will finally be resurrected and all the sickness and the death and the sorrow will be gone. And that is a promise that we receive. That is the great hope of the Christian life. As I said earlier, sometimes in the church we whittle it down to saving souls like a get-out-of-hell-free card, right? You know, if you just say the right words in just the right way, if you just get the right formula, then you're okay, and that's fine. Well, the problem with that is we've got sickness in our, inside of us. We've got brokenness inside of us. And one prayer for all time doesn't get it done. We need resurrection. We need resurrected hearts. We need resurrected lives. We need God to get in there with his spiritual roto-rooter, if you want to think of it that way, the Holy Spirit, to get inside of our hearts and pull the stuff out. And as I mentioned last week, throw it from as far as the east is to the west. And that's the key. You know, we can't experience the resurrection in fullness right now, but we do get, ex- get to experience resurrection right now in a very large degree perhaps in the most important way. Because as we dead sinners, people who have nothing good in us to offer to God by our own spiritual abilities, as we bow our knee and we call out Abba Father and ask God to come into us and do for us what we can't do for ourselves, we experience resurrection. Because there's nothing in us that is alive spiritually prior to what God does. And so he comes. He breathes into us new life. Lifts us up from the dead. 
And as people who have been raised from the dead, we get to experience resurrection. As Kelly said earlier, we get to experience resurrection every day. And we get to make our sacrifice of praise every day. This morning I preached on what it means for us to all be priests. And a priest is someone who stands between God and other people and makes sacrifice. Well, the great high priest, Jesus Christ, tore away the curtain, tore away the need for us to go to a human intercessor. And now we are all priests. And that means that every single one of us has the opportunity as to approach the great high priest and offer up our own spiritual sacrifices every day. Christ lives in us through the power of the Holy Spirit. And as we have the high priest living in our hearts, we too can play our priestly role by going to God each and every day and giving up those sinful things at the foot of the cross. Sacrificing the brokenness that is lived in us and living into the power of the Holy Spirit in our own lives. Yes, friends, we are resurrection people now. Someday we're going to experience resurrection in fullness but let's not take the resurrection that God has given to us and cast it aside and pretend that somehow because we haven't gotten to heaven yet, that God's work through the power of the Holy Spirit can't take effect yet, that it can't pull the ugliness and the brokenness from our hearts. And let's stand before the great high priest as his priests and lay out our sacrifices at the altar and allow him to do the work in us. That's resurrection living. It's an odd, I don't know, not dichotomy, um, paradox, if you will, that in the Christian life, in order to live, we have to first be willing to die. We have to die to the sense that we can somehow do things ourselves apart from the, apart from the will of God, apart from the life that God gives us. We have to die to sin We die to the brokenness of this world and instead turn our eyes to the cross and to Christ's resurrection. My question to you this evening is this. Are you a resurrection Christian? Are you a Christian who has the life of the resurrection coursing through your veins? Or do you still find yourself in the grave? There are Christians... I think, who desperately want that resurrection life. But they continue to think that Christ's primary act in this world was on the cross. Well, without the cross, the resurrection doesn't make sense. But without the resurrection, the cross is just death. Christ calls us not just to be cross people, but to also be resurrection people. Are you living the resurrection life? Do you believe, do you believe that Christ can work in you and live in you? Or do you just remain in the tomb? Well, friends, I want to offer to you this week that the fullness of the Christian life is not in the tomb. The fullness of the Christian life is in accepting what Christ did on the cross and that he did go into the tomb but the resurrection he won is resurrection we receive. 
as we live into the promises that he made for us through his life, through his death, and through his resurrection. Are you a resurrection Christian? Do you believe that God can resurrect your heart? Do you believe that God can pull that stuff out of you and that he can change you from the inside out, make you into what you were supposed to be all along? You know what I see when I look at all of you? I see people that God can change in amazing, amazing ways. I see people that God can reach into and turn into something that maybe you don't even know you can turn into. I believe that you're resurrection people. And I believe that your baptisms brought you into that person of Christ. And that in Christ, you now have, that because of your baptism in faith, you now have the Holy Spirit living in you. And where the Holy Spirit lives, there is no death. You have died to death. And now you are resurrected to life. If you'll have it. That's my prayer for you this week. That you would seek the resurrection life. That you would know someday you are going to see with your eyes and you're going to experience with your whole person what your heart is promised now through the power of the Holy Spirit. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I thank you that you are a God of resurrection. I thank you, Lord, that you don't just leave us to say a prayer, that you don't just leave us to offer up a few affirmations of who you are, but that you instead will have nothing less than resurrecting our hearts. Father, as we live the resurrected life, we know that we can't do it of our own power. There's no strength in us. And so, Lord, I pray that we would all seek you every day, that we would turn to you a little more every day, that we would avert our gaze on you only, and that you would purify our hearts and make us into resurrection people. Lord, as you make us into resurrection people, Help us to live the resurrection in the world, for the world around us. Help us truly to be the body of Christ. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.